The real estate market is booming. Whether you look in the suburbs or the city, Chicago continues to expand, creating incredible opportunities for those in the know. We'll connect with Chicago's real estate moguls to bring you the wisdom and expertise to help make your next real estate move a lucrative one on the Real Estate Mogul Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. Today, I'm joined by real estate broker Michaela Gordon of App Properties. Michaela, thank you for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure since uh, we're both from the same hood. Or, I know. Well, different, well, <laughs> different sides of the track of the same <laughs> yeah. hood, right? Yeah. We've, we've same town. Yes. Different high schools. <laughs> we have different feelings about how, We do. Yeah, yeah, we but, do. But originally from the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Yep. And now doing real estate uh, all around Chicagoland. Yeah, but, that's but, right. But living in the city too, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, how did you get into real estate? Yeah, so I um, actually went to school for architecture um, and got a bachelor, well, we'll call it equivalent to a bachelor's and a master's um, in architecture at IIT, which is Mm -hmm. on the south side, if you've ever been there. It's on 35th and State. Of course. Um, It was built by like a really famous architect. The whole school was built by him. The whole curriculum was built by him. It was really, really hard and awful, to be honest. I didn't realize that, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. so um, I graduated architecture school and there's kind of like a story I always tell, which is that I sat on the steps of like this really famous building um, that Mies van der Rohe built, uh, which was like our studio building, which is where we built everything for five years. Um, and I sat on those steps like a couple of weeks before graduation. And I looked at my girlfriend. I was like, I'm not going to be an architect. <laughs> Which is like equivalent to somebody going to med school and then saying they're not going to be a doctor. Um, because After they completed everything. Yeah. Like you literally yeah. graduate med school and like on the day of graduation, you look at your parents, you're like, jokes on you. I'm not going to be a doctor. I am, however, going to go um, be a server at a restaurant. Bye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's basically what I did. Yeah. So graduated architecture school, had no interest in being an architect. Um, and it really was just that. Like you're, it, it, it was, wasn't that you had something else in mind. No, it was, it was like, I'm not going to be an architect. <laughs> but what was it about it that, you know, turn you away um that's a good question i think in my soul of souls i understood that um architecture today right now is still very like archaic in its um business form so in the way that like for example in the 20s or 30s or even in the 50s and 60s it was really normal um for somebody in a lead like um in a lead managerial we'll call it role to have an apprentice um, that doesn't really work in today's society because um, living costs are significantly different. Mm. And so being an apprentice does not work to uh, pay rent and feed yourself and pay for the CTA pass. Oh, I see. Um, and so I had kind of come from a somewhat rough situation. And um, I I knew from, I mean, this was the case even before I graduated from the first day I got to, to college, but I had to be able to to pay for my everything on my own somehow. Um, I was going to be homeless. I was going to be hungry. Like it was me or nobody. Like I had to figure it out. Jeez. Oh, and I just, I understood that like the way I intended to live was never going to happen while being an apprentice to an architect for X amount of years. And I wasn't willing to sacrifice those years for something I knew I wasn't even going to love. Yeah. Um, simply because... I had a piece of paper that said I was qualified to sacrifice those years. For sure, for sure. Um, and and I knew that like the reality was is it's something we call a CAD monkey. But when you graduate architecture school, um, you have to go work as 
I mean, they don't call an apprentice. Yeah, you have to go work (laughs) as a CAD monkey, but they don't call it an apprentice anymore. But it's essentially the same. You're being paid glorified minimum wage um, with benefits, but still minimum wage um, to sit behind a computer and draw for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. You never get to see a client. You never get to be part of the interaction or be part of the planning process. You are literally just executing something that somebody else created. Um, And I just, I knew like, there was just not a minute of the day that I was going to be able to like do this and not be the most miserable human being on planet earth on top of the fact that I was going to be super poor. And I was like, I can't be super poor and miserable. For sure. It's one thing to be super poor, but like be so happy in your life that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Then you're not really poor. Yeah, I mean, you just not, don't have money. You just have no money, but yeah. you're not poor. Right. I understood that I was going to be poor yeah. and pissed off. <laughs> and so, I was like, I can't, like, I just, I can't do this. Well, what drew you to architecture to begin with? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've actually ever answered that, which is funny that it just <laughs> pops in my head. Um, so when I was growing up, um, like I kind of alluded to, I had kind of a complicated childhood. And so um, I was kind of like passed around to like aunts, uncles, cousins as much as possible to get me out of my house. And my aunt um, at the time, one of my aunts at the time through marriage was a realtor in the North shore. And I would like go to her house for extended weekends during Christmas and the spring. And I would do all of her mailers, no way. which like, I've literally never told anybody this. I have no idea why that pops in my head. I would do all her mailers and I would do all of her like data entry of like clients into the system to then print the like labels for the envelopes. And I remember sitting there being like, this is the worst experience of life. Like, why would anyone want to do this? And I remember like her husband, who is my grandmother's um, brother, uh, would like sit at the at the big dining room table and like have hundreds and millions of these envelopes. And like it's like a whole system of people trying to get all these mailers out. And I was like, why on earth would anyone want to do this? And as a kid, I'm sure you're thinking like, this is your job. Yeah, this yeah. Is literally I'm like, under you're the You're not impression. a realtor. Like, no. you're, you're running a publication. <laughs> you're literally <laughs> running like a mailer system yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And there's some like 15 year old who's the only one that knows how to use a computer in this entire right. group. Right, right. And she has to do the data entry because no one understands how to use the computer. So how old were you at this time? It must have started... Um, I think probably the first time I did it, I was like 13 or 14 and it like went on for many years, every Christmas and every like (laughs) spring, yeah, like spring break. I would like go to her house for like an extended weekend to like do her mailers. 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 It means mailers. mailers. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I don't know like what my thing was because my first impression of real estate sucked. Yeah. And then as I sat on those steps being like, I'm not going to be an architect. One of the first things that came to my head was, what I could do is I could sell real estate, but while selling real estate, I could essentially get those same clients to let me design whatever they're buying. Look at and you. so I could, in theory, be my version of an architect without having to ever have, be a CAD monkey. Right, right. One slight problem in this whole like grand plan of mine was that I was 22 years old and didn't know a single person that had more than three cents in their pocket. Um, so I don't know where I was thought I was going to get these clients that like had enough money to buy things and also renovate them right? or where I thought I was going to find people that trusted my broke 22 year old self to help them do that. Um, but I, somehow I like didn't think about any of that, but I was like that, that sounds great. I'll just be an HGTV 
Cho as a human at 22 with no experience. Done. Done. <laughs> and I'm never doing mailers. It took a long time for me to do a mailer because I was like traumatized. But I, 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 if what I'm hearing though is correct is you kind of got into real estate immediately after graduation yeah. then. Yeah. You- so I So I graduated, call it like end of April, beginning of May. I told my family, leave me alone. No one talk to me about what I'm going to do. I know you all feel that serving bottles and food at a restaurant and a nightclub does not work but like I don't want to talk to you I went to architecture school for all of you and now I'm done and I like got my check mark on the oh, piece so of paper you don't even think you really went for I didn't even, no no I didn't want to go oh. <laughs> no 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 this was all like thrust upon me oh. um I am making sense. yeah mm-hmm. I am first generation uh from an immigrant family gotcha I'm the first well my older sister is the first born in America but like we are the first born in America um, we are Eastern time? European gotcha. and um, there are really only like three to five acceptable jobs. Doctor, lawyer, engineer. Architect was like a divvy from engineering, but they felt as though it was close enough that therefore it was like there's an asterisk on it. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like basically like engineering. Five B. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so they were like, all right, we'll allow because it's kind of engineering. Like you could you really only have like four or five job options. And anything else that you bring up, they're like, that's a nice hobby. Like, so what are you going to do? Um, did you see that on the list? <laughs> like, they no. just think everything is a hobby. Right, right. They're like, that sounds like a lovely Saturday afternoon <laughs> activity. What are you going to do instead? Yeah. What about Monday through Friday? Yeah. Like, they don't believe in jobs. So you have to. So basically, you're just you're going to school to appease. Like, family. I was not given an option. Yeah, yeah. Um, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're. you're. So I worked at the bars and then um, I. So my birthday is beginning of September. And my sort of statement in May was, I'm going to go do this for till my birthday. I will have a plan by my birthday. Until then, I want no words. And you're 22 at the time. I'm 22. Nice. I was like, no words out of anybody. Like, I, architecture school was the worst experience of my life. Everyone knows this. <laughs> um, and I was like, I did all of this for you people. No words. I, I don't want to hear words about what time I come home. I don't want to hear words like I'm, I'm on my own. I'm paying for my life on my own. Like, you guys have no opinions. Yep. So, so now you're... Spending the summer figuring this out. Yeah, yeah. And I thought there was a hot second that I thought I was going to go be an interior designer in LA. And I actually got a job offer and I didn't take it for God knows what reason. And I, you know, it's there's more to the story, but we'll go with I didn't take it. And um, somebody pushed me in the direction of this guy who was an architect and a realtor. Mm. And they were like, this is the solution. You can basically do what you want as this like, you know, one stop shop and there's somebody already doing it. So like, just go there and learn and then you can, you know, go oh, on your interesting. own. So um, somebody found me this human <laughs> and faked emails to the human as if they were me. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I call it, uh, I call it that I had a catfish LinkedIn. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't do any of this. Uh, eventually somebody gave me all the passwords to said catfish LinkedIn. And then I saw all the emails that I apparently sent, uh, (laughs) trying to get me a job in Chicago. Um, but that's how I ended up working at at is because that's literally, (laughs) yeah, that's literally like I got catfish. My LinkedIn was catfished. Um, that person was emailing this broker who was an architect being like, you know, are you trying to build a team? Like, I really want to participate. Meanwhile, me, myself has no concept of no idea this is going on. I think I'm going to move to LA and like take this interior design job. And this other person is doing all this stuff. And, uh, and And, then, and this is 
when I had an, properties. Yeah. When I got finally, when the broker was like, all right, like, let me interview you. <laughs> the person who was catfishing had to come to me and be like, so also, by the way, I did all these things. You have an you have interview an on Friday. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, like, I mean, okay. Yeah. I'm going to this interview. And, and that's how I. This is the funniest story. <laughs> you know, one of the It makes no that, sense. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's just hilarious. <laughs> it's really <laughs> it's funny. It's actually really, really, really funny because most of the time, I mean, you talk to anyone in real estate, I'm sure you've had this yeah. conversation is people always have other jobs first. Right. Like you don't go to school for real estate. Right, right. right. You don't yeah. go to school for even architecture and go yeah. into real estate. Yeah. You just, you don't hear that. People. No, I mean, it doesn't make sense. It's literally like getting a <laughs> medical degree and then being like, I'm going to be, I don't know, like an artist. Okay, why'd you go to med school? <laughs> like, yeah. also, by the way, architecture school costs the same as med school. In case anyone needed to know. Yeah, IIT is not cheap. Cost is the same. Yeah, absolutely. No, so <laughs> so tell me now. I mean, you, one of the things is you kind of said you're you're this unicorn yeah. of a realtor, right? Yeah. Tell me about that because, you know, you hear interior design kind of goes hand in hand, I feel like, with real estate, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so hand in hand with yeah. real estate that... I mean, it is. Yeah, I mean, real estate, you buy it, it and then somebody needs to figure out how to make it livable for that family person. Whatever. Absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even even from a, a staging perspective yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. like selling it. For so, selling. Yeah, for sales too. But for you with that architecture background, mm-hmm. like how, how does that play into what you do? Yeah, uh, I will say it took me some time to like really understand this. This I won't like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like I knew this the answer to this question from day one. I really didn't. I kind of like felt my way through and and figured out what I was good at and like where my niche was so I'm sure it's evolving too still yeah so not to say like you know I in that day that I sat on those steps I was like and also (laughs) this is what I'm great at this is what I suck at I know everything about everything and here we go and I'm 22 yeah literally um but I would say that like now um you know eight years later from that moment of sitting on those steps um I figured out that really my niche is that I really have a great understanding about how humans use space. Um, And so from a sales perspective and from a design perspective, if you can understand how two different people will use the exact same space in a different way, um, you can both sell and buy in a more effective way. Um, And then from that aspect too, um, I've always sort of sold this concept that I could be somebody's realtor and I could also be their designer. Mm. So whether it was that you're going to buy a property and before you move in, we, we renovate. So it's what you want and how you want it. Or the reverse of that is, um, you know, maybe you need to sell your property and I can give you the numbers of what it will sell for today, what it will cost to renovate to some degree, and then what your profit margin is on the new sale price that I believe that you can get at you know, with a renovated product. Um, and I think that's actually a really hard task for, I don't know how to put it, for for just a realtor who's a realtor because the reality is is that there's a level of construction there that they just don't have the, the understanding of, which is fair enough. Um, I just kind of came to the table with way too much knowledge. And so because of that, um, I have a, a contractor that I basically do like 99.9% of my projects with. Um, and so because of that, like I have an ability to then produce answers from the beginning rather than waiting for the ball to drop. And like you open the wall and you're like, you know, crap. can I say crap? 
can say, you can say poop. Um, Perfect. No, you know, you open the wall and you don't know what's back there. And then you have a $10,000 bill or, you know, you didn't know the beam couldn't be moved or whatever. I can tell you those things at showing. Um, so, so you kind of eliminate some of this like guesswork that goes in when you think you're going to buy something and renovate it later. And then you can't renovate it to what you want or the cost wasn't within the, um, the margin of what was realistic for a resale. So you're kind of like, um, almost like a, so I am actually a one, I am a one time, the one stop HGTV show stop. You are, you are in your show. I basically (laughs) am my own show. Um, but uh, I would say it, it's taken me a lot of time, effort, and like bumps in the road to get to this place where I'm clear on what I'm good at and I'm really clear on what I'm not good at. And then outsourcing the things that are not for me to figure out and just honing in on the piece that I know, which is how humans use space. So is that part of your conversation like initially yes. when you... <laughs> yes, yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But just knowing all of it, right? The yeah. intricacies of, like you, you kind of mentioned before we, we got on, on the air was that um, you, you know what's behind the wall. Right. Right. Like that's something that I feel is a huge advantage because like I, I mentioned before, just that most realtors don't come in with any sort of foundation for real estate. Right. Right. And and to be fair, it's not really like, it's not their fault. There's That's an entire separate industry. No, they weren't forced into architecture school. They right? weren't forced into, you know, learning way more than is at all necessary for their job. I just, like, I happen to come to the table with an encyclopedia. Right. Um, you know, whether that's fair or not is a different conversation, life but it's not fair though. Right? It, right. Life isn't fair. And like, I haven't have the encyclopedia now. <laughs> um, so I, it, it is helpful for clients. I will also say though, like for some clients it's too much and, and I can understand that. And I'm, I'm aware that I am not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm the right people's cup of tea. For sure. Um, and, and that's fine. You and know, that's really what you want to do is connect with people who align with you. Anyway, yeah. Right? right. So like there's, there's enough business to go around. And so I'm never like, there's enough humans. Yeah, it, there's enough of all of it, right? So, like, mm-hmm. it's far more important to me to find the people that need me versus the people that need a realtor. And now, one of the, I mean, I guess maybe it's fair to say that there isn't enough of housing right now, though. Right? Mm, there's no, there's literally it. no housing. So, how do you see that from just from from your background and everything mm. you know so far and have been in the industry? Like, where do you see that kind of going with? Yeah, the, the housing. I want to say crisis. Cause yeah, sounds, it's not really a crisis. Not a crisis uh, if the you, shortage. I mean, a buyer might call it a crisis. Yeah. A seller would not call it a crisis. A seller would say this right. is the greatest time of their lives. Until they, were, until they have to buy. Yeah, until, well, yeah. Because they sold, right? Yeah, and then they're homeless. Um, that's an interesting question. I think what's hard is, and this is funny, you and I actually haven't talked about this at all. Um, what's hard is we live in a city that has governmental and political um, power over housing. And I would argue in an attempt to do something good, they've kind of screwed up. Uh, and because of that construction is really, really hard. Mm. And so building in mass for first time home buyers or for essentially second time home buyers is, is nearly impossible mm. at a entry level price point. Just because of all the red tape that... Yeah. 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 And the rules that... that And policies that have been in place and put in place and um, the cost of construction at this point is really astronomically high. And then the city and and policies have, have enacted sort of red tape and, and... I don't know what you would call it. And... Just bureaucracy. Yeah. Bureaucracy and like... How, they, they're trying to fix a problem, but 
they didn't think it through. Their solution was not thought through, in my opinion. Yeah. And so they've created a bigger problem. Yeah, now they're trying to put fire out with fire. Right? Yeah, it, like you've created a completely different problem, which actually, no, I wouldn't, it's not even a completely different problem. It's the exact same problem <clears throat> escalated. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I don't know that Chicago is going to solve its problem. To, to bring it back to your question is, I don't actually know if Chicago can solve its problem. Mm-hmm. The whole nation is sort of in this like, Seller's market, not enough inventory. Everybody's trying to get reorganized because COVID kind of forced everybody to think about how they want to live versus how they were being forced to live. Um, whether it was being forced by work situation, work situation, proximity to work, travel, whatever. Right. Yeah. If you take all of that off the table, now people get to make a decision on again how human beings use space mm-hmm. and what's important to them. And so suddenly now there's an entire population of people that want to refocus how they use space, where they use space, and how they want to interact with that space. Absolutely. And so you've you, you I mean, there was no way to predict that, but uh there have been times in history where the government has gotten involved and helped. Granted, it helped with asterisks as well and caused problems as well. Later but on, like right? later on, yeah, I mean, with, they've it. discriminated. They've yep. they've redlined. They've they've done all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but if you look at, for example, like at the end of World War II, when suddenly all these these families were coming back together and all the men and women that were fighting were coming back. Well, women weren't fighting. So all the men that were coming back, there was a shortage of housing and government got involved. Mm -hmm. And now the policies have changed and government doesn't build housing anymore, but the government got involved to figure out how to, where to house everybody. Um, Again, I don't know if government getting involved is the solution. I'm, I'm actually pretty sure it's not, but um, I think history has a lot to teach us about how to solve these issues when, when society does reorganize itself um, I mean, history shows a million times that society has reorganized itself and it's currently reorganizing. We're bouncing back. Yeah. And, and we're bouncing back different. Right. Yeah, and we so have to. Well, we have to, right. Different. When a war is over, it's different. When yeah. every, when any of these like societal huge moments happen, the change is different afterward. And I think that there's right now, at least, I think that there's a missed opportunity to solve some of this stuff. Um, that isn't being taken into account and everyone's just saying, let the market play itself out. And it will, like, obviously it will, but well, I think there's an opportunity that isn't being taken advantage of. Would you say that opportunity also exists where, I mean, you talked, and, and you often talk about the, yeah. you know, the way humans occupy space, right? Yeah. And that two two people will look at a space yeah. very differently or yeah. use it for, mm-hmm. for very different things. And and now we're seeing that obviously with the pandemic has accelerated things yeah. for sure on some level, but also technology has brought us to a yeah. point where, you know, we don't have to go to work. Correct. But with this fear and people wanting to be politically correct and brands following that suit, like Twitter, I don't announce that forever now, forever more now that if employees don't want to, they don't have to come back to work. Right. But I mean, right. they have to work. But yeah, they, they have to work, home, but right? they can do it from home or remotely or wherever exactly. they feel. Right. So how do you think that's going to change or the opportunity it creates for the structure of the home, the the traditional? Yeah, it changes. Right. Yeah. It's like the same thing as like if you look at like, again, this is an architecture thing, but like a history of architecture. If you look at, you know, floor plans of how people lived 60 years ago, even 50 years ago, you had closed off kitchens, you had closed off dining rooms um, because there was an understanding that one person specifically, the woman in, in that case, would be at home prepping. And then when the family came together, the spaces that the woman used to prep were no longer spaces that were occupied. Yeah. 
Um, and then when some of those shifts started happening on how um, families are run and how um, just in general people function in society, we started opening spaces because suddenly spaces didn't need to be privatized anymore because all the people in the family would occupy that space yep. rather than only one or two of the people would occupy that space. Yep. Um, so it's it's going to be the same if you um, even I mean, this is like really going back. If you look at like this is now you're going to know that I have a stupid <laughs> master's in architecture. If you look at like the history of um, of how churches were built, like I'm talking like 1500s, there's an entire understanding of churches what used to be built one way. The floor plan was the same in all churches um, of like a specific faith. And then as that faith adapted and as different things in that faith were um, allowed or changed, introduced, or introduced, the floor plan of the church changed. Yeah. So, I mean, it only makes sense. It right? only makes sense because again, the humans have to use the space in yeah. the way that their their lives call for. Yeah. And, you know, if if we're getting to a place where people can work from anywhere, number one, it actually makes life super interesting in my opinion. But how homes are used is going to change, right? I, I will tell you, I'm sure all the other realtors will say this to you. People that I know a year ago or not a year ago, two years ago would have come to me and said, can I get a two bed, two bath for so-and-so price point? They come and now say, I need a three bed because they have a designated room that's their office and it can no longer be office guest room slash. Yep. It doesn't work anymore. They're like, I'm going to be in there every single day. And now my friends, family, whatever, they don't have to come visit me on regimented times. They can come stay with me for two weeks. They can work too. Mm. And so suddenly the idea of how you use these designated closed off spaces is different. And people want more closed off spaces than they have, I would say, in the last 10 to 20 years. And you see that too, even in, in commercial corporate environments yeah. where, you know, we used to have cubicles <clears throat> and then it was, oh my God, yeah, like everyone, cubicles and everyone being an open concept, space. you know, that was it. And then now we're returning back yeah. to not necessarily cubicles, but yeah. where you, you some need sort of privacy. Some, like, some sort, sort of privacy. Of like, yeah. I think it's interesting, like it's privacy, but visually it's not. Because <laughs> I feel like I, there needs to be all these like separate rooms, but they always have glass walls. So it's like, you get a separate room so you can record a podcast, so you can shoot content, so you can do X, Y, Z. Yeah. But there's still like a visual connection to everybody. A hundred percent. So, there, you know, ultimately as we all progress and as floor plans change and as design concepts change, they're all stacked on top of each other. So when you got rid of the cubicle, you got human interaction visually, mm -hmm. right? Then we figured out, oh, crap, that's a problem <laughs> if everybody is on the phone all the time. <laughs> You like it's impossible it to work, right. it doesn't work, but the visually seeing everybody is really helpful. Right, right. So then, how do we solve a problem without getting rid of so, so a benefit? Glass, right? Yeah, and so there's <laughs> it's kind of like this this snowball, but it's always like you're learning off of it, figure out what the pro and con is, and then the next iteration is trying to for sure. But that's like how design works in general. Yeah, well, yeah. like in, you in life, iterate right? it. Yeah, yeah exactly. like you bring the client, you know, the kitchen, and the client says, "Okay, that works." Except for I've already once had my stove and my fridge, you know, sharing a wall and that sucked. So let's not do that ever again. And and then it iterates from there. Absolutely. So who do you typically work with? I mean, is it kind of the gamut of uh, real estate buyers or is it more investors? Is it more first time home buyers? Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I would say like over the course of my career, I feel like I've worked with everybody on the planet. Um, <laughs> I have investors who like, because again, I know how to, I, 
theoretically in concept know how to build things. Um, but I also, because I had to build them at scale in school, everybody's under the impression that I'm also like a handyman. <laughs> um, and I don't like really shy away from it. Like I'm happy to do these things because I know I can. Uh, so I have a good amount of investors where I'm like pro- property managing their properties oh, no for way. like their tenants. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, they, you know, I have an agreement with them on what that looks like. And they live in other states. And I, you know, if I can fix it myself, I do. Yeah, <laughs> like if yeah. I, you know, if the, I can think of one, like the lock on the door is 150 years old and I, it was breaking and breaking and I just replaced it myself. Um, and for the owner, that's really helpful. He's like one less person to pay, one less headache. And if I can't, then I already have a crew of, yeah, of builders. Connections, right? And so that's a really simple uh, solution. And then my owners never have to deal. Um, so definitely investors. And then buyers make all the sense in the world because they feel like I can get them the house they want. In The image in their brain, we can equate it to whatever we find in the market. Um, so buyers always make a whole lot of sense. And then sellers kind of grew with, honestly, with my age, like, I yeah. I will always take on renters because in my opinion, they're my free marketing. <laughs> um, so I I will forever and always take renters. Interesting. Um, it, it's free marketing. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't take renters. <laughs> I, it, I understand it's it's a time. Uh, it's a timing thing and it, it does take up time and you aren't really being paid for that time. Sure. Um, but you're getting access to their entire network. Yeah. And I would argue sometimes renters are more grateful for, for you helping them than a buyer or seller no ever way. will be. Because no one wants to help them. Yeah. Like no one wants to help renters. Everyone's competing for. Everyone's competing for the pay. Not the paycheck, but like the thing that actually is like worth your time. Right. Obviously no one's like competing to work for free. Yeah. Um, But a renter will be incredibly grateful to you. And I built my entire business on renters. All of my buyers, all of my sellers were derived somewhere from a renter. Yeah. And so I'm always going to take my renters They're They are forever the beginning of the chain. Hmm. like a renter is eventually going to become a buyer is eventually going to become a seller and their entire network is most likely their age. And so they're most likely all on the same come up together. Yep. Yep. Make total sense. So like, let me waste, you know, 10 hours, (laughs) but I don't have to market to that entire group now. That's awesome. Or at least, I mean, I have to market to them, but I don't have to get them. Yeah. Yeah. Like the acquisition cost isn't there for sure. So to me, doing a that's what it is. Doing a rental is my acquisition cost. It's your, yeah, it's your cost. Yeah, cost of customer that's acquisition. Co- yeah, a hundred percent. It's a great cost to have. Uh, so yeah, so I would say all over the board, and then you know, as I got older, and as my referrals got older, and as my kind of crew of people that trust me and and refer me got older, the sellers kind of came too. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, if you guys are listening and. Michaela sounds like someone you want to work with. <laughs> I would strongly encourage you to reach out to her. Fill out the form below. But Michaela, I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, you so in. much. It's been a lot of fun. And I can't I wait to do it again. It. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it.